Section 10 of Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narrated for you by Christopher Walters. Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch, by Wilhelm Meinhold. Translated by Lucy Duff Gordon. The Fifteenth Chapter of the arrival of the high and mighty King Gustavus Adolphus, and what befell thereat. Meanwhile I finished my carmen in metrum legiacum, which my daughter transcribed, seeing that her handwriting is fairer than mine, and diligently learned so that she might say it to his majesty. Item, her clothes were gotten ready, and became her purely, and on Monday she went up to the Strakelberg, although the heat was such that the crows gasped on the hedges, for she wanted to gather flowers for a garland she designed to wear, and which was also to be blue and yellow. Towards evening she came home with her apron filled with all manner of flowers, but her hair was quite wet, and hung all matted about her shoulders. My God, my God, was everything to come together to destroy me, wretched man that I am! I asked, therefore, where she had been that her hair was so wet and matted, whereupon she answered that she had gathered flowers round the culpin, and from thence she had gone down to the seashore, where she had bathed in the sea, seeing that it was very hot and no one could see her. Thus, said she, jesting, she should appear before his majesty tomorrow doubly a clean maid. This displeased me at the time, and I looked grave, although I said not. Next morning, at six o'clock, all the people were already at the giant stone, men, women, and children. Summa, everybody that was able to walk was there. At eight o'clock, my daughter was already dressed in all her bravery, namely, a blue silken gown with a yellow apron and kerchief, and a yellow hairnet with a garland of blue and yellow flowers round her head. It was not long before my young lord arrived, finely dressed, as became a nobleman, he wanted to inquire, as he said, by which road I should go up to the stone with my daughter, seeing that his father, Hans Vernienkirchen, item, Wittek, Oppelmann, and the lepos of Genitza, were also going, and that there was much people on all the high roads, as though a fair was being held. But I straightway perceived that all he wanted was to see my daughter, inasmuch as he presently occupied himself about her, and began chattering with her in the Latin again. I made her repeat to him the carmen to his majesty, whereupon he, in the person of the king, answered her, Dulcissima e venustissima puella, que mihi in coloribus caeli, ut angelus domini apres utinam semper mecum esis, nunquam mihi male caderet. Whereupon she grew red, as likewise did I, but from vexation, as may be easily guessed. I therefore begged that his lordship would but go forward toward the stone, seeing that my daughter had yet to help me on with my surplice. Whereupon, however, he answered that he would wait for us the while in the chamber, and that we might then go together. Summa, I blessed myself from this young lord. But what could I do? As he would not go, I was forced to wink at it all, and before long we went up to the stone, where I straightway chose three sturdy fellows from the crowd, and sent them up the steeple, that they might begin to ring the bells as soon as they should see me get up upon the stone and wave my napkin. This they promised to do, and straightway departed, whereupon I sat down on the stone with my daughter, thinking that the young lord would surely stand apart as became his dignity. 
albeit he did not, but sat down with us on the stone. And we three sat there all alone, and all the folk looked at us, but none drew near to see my child's fine clothes, not even the young lasses, as is their wont to do. But this I did not observe till afterwards, when I heard how matters stood with us even then. Towards nine o'clock, Hans von Nienkerken and Wichick Appelman galloped up, and old Nienkerken called to his son in an angry voice, and seeing that the young lord heard him not, he rode up to the stone and cried out so loud that all the folk might hear, Canst thou not hearken, boy, when thy father calls thee? Whereupon Rudiger followed him in much displeasure, and we saw from a distance how the old lord seemed to threaten his son and spat out before him, but knew not what this might signify. We were to learn it soon enough, though, more's the pity. Soon after the two lepels of Genitza came from the Damero, and the noblemen saluted one other on the green sward close beside us, but without looking on us. And I heard the lepels say that naught could yet be seen of his majesty, but that the coastguard fleet around Rudin was in motion, and that several hundred ships were sailing this way. As soon as this news was known, all the folks ran to the seashore, which is but a step from the stone, and the noblemen rode thither too, all save Wittick who had dismounted, and who, when he saw that I sent old Posh his boy up into a tall oak tree to look out for the king, straightway busied himself about my daughter again, who now sat all alone upon the stone. Why had she not taken his huntsman, and whether she would not change her mind on the matter and have him now, or else come into his service with him, the sheriff himself, for that if she would not he believed she might be sorry for it one day. Whereupon she answered him, as she told me, that there was but one thing she was sorry for, namely that his lordship would take so much useless pains upon her, whereupon she rose with all haste and came to where I stood under the tree, looking after the lad who was climbing up it. And our old Ilse said that he swore a great curse when my daughter turned her back upon him, and went straightway into the alder grove close by the main road, where stood the old witch Lizzie Colkin. Meanwhile I went with my daughter to the seashore, and found it quite true that the whole fleet was sailing over from Rudin and Oi towards Volin, and several ships passed so close before us that we could see the soldiers standing upon them and flashing of their arms. Item, we heard the horses neigh and the soldiery laugh. On one ship, too, they were drumming, and on another cattle lowed and sheep bleated. Whilst we yet gazed, we saw smoke come out from one of the ships, followed by a great noise, and presently we were all aware of the ball bounding over the water, which foamed and splashed on either side, and coming straight towards us. Hereupon the crowd ran away on every side with loud cries, and we plainly heard the soldiery in the ships laugh thereat. But the ball flew up and struck into the midst of an oak hard by Posh, his boy, so that nearly two cartloads of boughs fell to the earth with a great crash, and covered all the road by which his majesty was to come. Hereupon the boy would stop no longer in the tree, however much I exhorted him thereto, but cried out to us as he came down that a great troop of soldiers was marching out of the forest by Damero, and that likely enough the king was among them. Hereupon the sheriff ordered the road to be cleared forthwith, and this was some time a-doing, seeing that the thick boughs were stuck fast in the trees all around. The nobles, as soon as all was made ready, would have ridden to meet his majesty, but stayed still on the little green sward, because we already heard the noise of horses, carriages, and voices close to us in the forest. It was not long before the cannons broke through the brushwood with the three guides seated upon them. And seeing that one of them was known to me, it was Stoffer Krauthau of Pinamunda, I drew near and begged him that he would tell me when the king should come, 
but he answered me that he was going forward with the cannon to Cusero, and that I was only to watch for a tall dark man with a hat and feather and a gold chain round his neck, for that that was the king, and that he rode next after the great standard whereon was a yellow lion. Wherefore I narrowly watched the procession as it wound out of the forest. And next, after the artillery, came the Finnish and Lapland bowmen, who went clothed all in furs, although it was now the height of summer, whereat I greatly wondered. After these there came much people, but I know not what they were. Presently I espied over the hazel tree which stood in my way, so that I could not see everything as soon as it came forth out of the coppice, the great flag with the lion on it, and behind that the head of a very dark man with a golden chain round his neck, whereupon straightway I judged this must be the king. I therefore waved my napkin toward the steeple, whereupon the bells forthwith rang out, and while the dark man rode nearer to us, I pulled off my skull-cap and fell upon my knees and led the Ambrosian hymn of praise, and all the people plucked their hats from their heads and knelt down on the ground all around, singing after me, men, women, and children, save only the nobles, who stood still on the green sward and did not take off their hats and behave with attention until they saw that his majesty drew in his horse. It was a coal-black charger, and stopped with its two forefeet right upon my field, which I took as a sign of good fortune. When we had finished, the sheriff quickly got off his horse, and would have approached the king with his three guides, who followed after him. Item, I had taken my child by the hand, and would also have drawn near to the king. Howbeit, his majesty motioned away the sheriff, and beckoned us to approach, whereupon I wished his majesty joy in the Latin tongue, and extolled his magnanimous heart, seeing that he had deigned to visit German ground for the protection and aid of poor persecuted Christendom, and praised it as a sign from God that such had happened on this the high festival of our poor church, and I prayed his majesty graciously to receive what my daughter desired to present to him, whereupon his majesty looked on her and smiled pleasantly. Such gracious bearing made her bold again, albeit she trembled visibly just before, and she reached him a blue and yellow wreath, whereon lay the carmen, saying, Accipe hanc vilam coronum et hac, whereupon she began to recite the carmen. Meanwhile his majesty grew more and more gracious, looking now on her and now on the carmen, and nodded with a special kindness towards the end, which was as follows, Tempus erit. Quo tu reversus ab hostibus ultor, intrabis patriae libera regna miae, tunc meloria student nostrea, tibi carmina musae, tunc tua maxime rex martia facta canum, tu modo versiculis nuspernas vilibus osam, ogoror et res est ista futera brevi. Sis foliix fortiscue deo, vive optima princep, omnia et tu possis vincere dura, vale. As soon as she held her peace, his majesty said, Prosperux ecedas patria virgo, et tu osculor, whereupon she drew near to his horse, blushing deeply. I thought he only would have kissed her forehead, as potentates commonly used to do, but not at all. He kissed her lips with a loud smack, and the long feathers on his hat drooped over her neck so that I was quite afraid for her again. But he soon raised up his head, and taking off his gold chain whereon dangled his own effigy, he hung it round my child's neck with these words, Hoce, tuce, pulcritudum, et si favente deo ridux, 
Fiero Victor, promissum carmen et preteria duo oscula expecto. Hereupon the sheriff with his three men came again forward and bowed down to the ground before his majesty. But as he knew no Latin, item, no Italian nor French, I had to act as interpreter. For his majesty inquired how far it was to swine, and whether there was still much foreign soldiery there, and the sheriff thought there was still about two hundred Croats in the camp, whereupon his majesty spurred on his horse and nodded graciously, cried, Valente! And now came the rest of the troops, about three thousand strong out of the coppice, which likewise had a valiant bearing, and attempted no fooleries, as troops are wont to do when they passed by us and the women, but marched on in honest quietness. And we followed the train until the forest beyond Cusero, where we commended it to the care of the Almighty, and every one went on his way home. End of section 10